set yet so it's going to be a little bit i'm going to get that all set up but uh i wanted to start doing a show start doing a live show over here on rumble talking some uh, logistical stuff some china stuff some geopolitical stuff and things like that but uh quick breakdown who i am i am sage i've been in logistics over 20 years all the way from owning my having a cdl uh owning my own truck i had a carrier freight brokerage still uh brokering freight right now um, and I am a uh, logistics uh, analyst for places like Epoch Times. I've done, I've helped on the uh, freight waves, things like that. So, and I also work with uh, Think Tank in regards to logistical information and stuff like that. So, actively, I still am a freight broker. I move uh, what we call overdimensional freight, but I also am under. Um, the Defense Production Act for some things like that. So I am knowledgeable in regards to some things that are going on like that. So what I did want to do is uh, this show is going to probably be Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. So this everybody knows the show will be Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. And I'm going to have, uh, when he can be on, I'm going to have a co-host of Cam. I wanted to do the first show, put it out there. Cam is from, if you go to YouTube and you type in at EPE 2023, uh, that is Cam. He's going to be also doing a show where we uh, we talk, you know, conservative things and, and anything that's kind of going on and, and put our views out there, uh, a little bit of back and forth debate, things like that. Uh, down the road, I, I can make it a call-in show. I have access to either come in by StreamYard um, or be able to phone in. I can also, I'm going to be at probably shooting out messages to have uh, people like, let's say, CanCon on, um, and I've been, I've interviewed Quite a few people in the past, um, people like um, Xi Van Fleet, who she was in uh, China under Mao with the communist, uh, the culture revolution. She told her story. Uh, Rebecca Koffler, she wrote the book Putin's Playbook. Um, Ryan Macbeth, uh, uh, he he's does a YouTube channel and some other stuff, too. So I can bring on, I'll be bringing on people possibly doing some interviews um, and getting that point of view. So I moved over to Rumble here because there's going to be a lot of stuff that I'm going to probably start talking about that, well, let's just say YouTube is not going to like. They already don't like me. Um, if you guys have checked out any of my Project Outcast, that's where I dive into conspiracies, connect some dots, uh, do some research, and put together uh, another version of, of the things that are out there that the government uh, allegedly wants you to believe that I don't believe, you know, there are other things going on out there in that big picture view. So... Basically, this is kind of the show. A lot of it uh, some will stem around logistics, but it's also going to deal with things like the war in Ukraine, uh, Belt Road Initiative with China, um, and geopolitical type information and things like that. And it, a lot of it's going to be like research-based, what I deal with um, in our everyday 
society and things like that, what I'm currently working at. And just because I obviously do a lot of research and I read a lot and I do things like that. And I interact with a lot of people that kind of are in the know. So that's kind of what the show's about. I wanted to throw that out there and like it so everybody can kind of hear it. Like I said, so there's going to be some logistics, geopolitical, sometimes a little bit of maybe trucking and things like that, but a lot of logistical, big picture uh, events on how things are basically how you're kind of being lied to. Right? And, and we got to kind of take that under a little bit of discretion, too. Um, we are being lied to straight out lies, right? Straight out lies because they, you know, they want to control us and everything to that aspect. But sometimes some of the information they believe are little white lies because they don't think we can handle the truth. They don't think we're smart enough to deal with the truth uh, and things like that. So there's Cam Tube right there. Um, like I said, mo mo next week is it will be pretty much I'll be snagging him. I just wanted to kind of do an introduction show uh, and basically explain you know, what the show is going to be about. So that's kind of some of the stuff we're going to be talking about. And me and Cam, like I said, we have different opinions, debating all kinds of topics, right side topics, left side topics, middle topics, and kind of put out there um, a lot of different debates in, in a debating manner. Not so much an aggressive attacking manner, but we go back and forth all the time um, for, you know, a, on the phone, you know, kind of throwing our stuff out there, but it's one of those things that it's, it, it needs to be heard. It needs to be said. Like, I know everybody wants, um, you know, the information that kind of they feel uh, echoes their opinions of things. Right. But sometimes you want to break out of that, that echo chamber just to hear that other opinion, just to see some of the dots, because, you know, you know, knowing thy enemy is also a good thing to be able to successfully handle things. So that's kind of some of the stuff we're going to be doing here. Um, yeah, yeah, and there are, uh, I did not, I am uh, coming to you after the EBS, and I am safe and sound, but I am in the state of Maine, and I can actively say, coming from uh, New York, living in New York, and moving to Maine, I, I, I don't think I would know this any difference if they were zombies here. Um, just being honest, I'm just being honest, from a New Yorker moving to Maine, uh, I don't know if I would notice any change if I could call some of them zombies as it is now. I, and, and I used to, Stephen King, right? Stephen King from Maine would write stories and stuff like that. And I'm like, wow, his stories are amazing. And then I moved to Maine and I just watched people and he's really not that skillful. He's just observant to basically his surroundings in the state of Maine, just so you know. All right. That being said, I did want to jump in a couple topics today and kind of show where things are going. Now, um, if this will be moved over to YouTube on my YouTube channel, which I'll put in the description, if but that's going to be under my 99 cent membership fee, just because I'm not going to give allow YouTube to snag views and make money off my stuff. Um, I'll just throw it under 99 cents and not and make it um, unmonetized. So you guys, you know, you could watch it basically ad free for 99 cents a month. All these videos will be put over there. All right. So some of the topics I did want to talk to you about today, and we're going to put them on the screen here and I will zoom in if we have to. But let me do this. So one of the things I wanted to talk about was is right now is Trump in charge or is Biden in charge, right? And and you're going to kind of be surprised because uh, I hear this all the time. Um, Biden's a president, but, you know, Trump's in charge, right? Trump's in charge. Uh, 
And I think that's both true and false. And let me explain why, right? Let me explain. So there are, Trump came into office and one of the, a lot of the stuff that he did with the office, it it was basically call out China and said, yo, not, not good. China was not good. We were way too dependent on China. China was not uh, doing their deals with us. So he basically started the trade war. Now, the, the way he started the trade war, war is he basically started putting tariffs on Chinese goods that were, you know, that were coming in and so on and so on. Now, was it handled perfectly? It was not. Uh, being in logistics, it was not handled perfectly. Um, and I'm, that's going to be a whole other show where I'm going to kind of break down. But logistics is hard. Logistics is not easy. Um, it's, it, you think it's easy and a lot of truck, you know, you come into this industry and you're like, oh, just pick up here, deliver here. It's not that easy. Um, there is a article out there that basically to make one hot tub required like almost 30 different moves to get 30 different you know, locations and the parts and the goods uh, all to one location just to build a hot tub. Um, and thousands of miles in three different countries just to build one hot tub. And I think it's, uh, you can Google it as a turtle hot tub logistics, basically. I think it, that's what it was. So logistics is hard. So when he started that trade war, there, there, there wasn't enough thought put into how to handle um, some of that process. But the, the fact that he started that, he basically acknowledged, look, China is bad and we have to protect ourselves from China was, a, was right. That was 100% correct. Now, after he, however you want to say it, is no longer sleeping in the White House, after he left that position, his trade deals and his things going on basically never left. Like his policies stayed in play. And, and that's kind of what we, you want, right? As presidents come in, because we can exchange presidents every four years, maybe eight, but technically we, re, we vote every four, you don't just want policies to come in and go and come in and go and come in and go. You want to establish good policies that puts the country on a good path or a protective path from the presidential seat, right? His job is to protect the country, protect the borders, establish trade, things like that. So the policies that he put in place, although they bashed him left and right, oh, he's bad, he's bad, everything's bad, everything he does is bad. Well, they kept those policies in regards to China in play, right? They kept the trade uh, embargoes in play. They kept that all in play. They did not drop the tariffs on China when Biden came into office. Okay, so the policies are still standing in regards to that. Now, of course, there was other ones, but I'm going to I'm talking logistically here. Those policies that basically was the start of us saying uh, this could be bad for us. China under control and making everything and having all manufacturing is is not a good thing. So. That was the start of those policies. Now, we've had other policies that have now been put in place, things like the CHIPS Act. That's a good policy. Now, that policy falls under the same path that the, of the policymaking that Trump put in place. He basically said, hey, China's not good. We need to protect intellectual property. We need to protect our, uh, our goods, so we need to put tariffs on them. We need to do this, and we need to do that. He started the policy now and to look at China and how dangerous they are to the United States. Now, 
those policies also push things like think tanks and different things to also look at that aspect where a, a think tank will put together some papers and, and get together with intellectuals and then bring that and say, hey, here's the dangers of China and, and here's how, you know, ways we can protect ourselves and so on and so on. So although Biden's in office, the policies of the, that Trump started are still in play and that's a good thing, right? Because if you're just bringing policies in and then dumping policies and then bringing them in and dumping them, well, that's, that's not any good, right? Those, those start, stop, start, stop, start, stops remind me of when I used to you know, play hockey at 6 o'clock in the morning and we have to do power skating. They suck. So a lot of what has happened is the next policies that are being put in place and what I'm trying to warn everybody is we are 100% protecting ourselves for a possibility of World War III. Now, I know everybody says, well, yeah, we're going, we, we can all see that. No, it's way more than what everybody else is telling you. The policies we are putting in place is shoring up our country, our continent, for a possible conflict with China, right? Now, one of the ways we're doing this is now... Mexico has become the U.S.'s biggest trading partner. Uh, and this is an article here. For years, America's top trading partner has been, perhaps unsurprisingly, China. That's all changed this year as Mexico eked, irked out the top spot in a trending that appears to be continuing. Between the supply issues, nearshoring or reshoring, the plan old geopolitical tensions Mexico has in the past few years made up a growing share of U.S. imports, okay? Now, we have started back when COVID hit to reshore or nearshore our goods. Now, we're seeing this also in uh, bankruptcies from like uh, Yellow Freight, okay? So let me explain. We got so much goods from China on a container ship that it would cost about, at one time, container ships were about $1,000 a container to ship goods from China to the United States, 1000 Uh, It would land in California ports where we would unpack the container, meaning we would basically pull the things off the container and put them on a dock, and we'd cross-dock them. And then you would wait for an LTL carrier like Yellow to pick up that freight, or we would put it on the rail and ship it to another location to eventually get it to, let's say, Boston, okay? Well, these containers came over, and during COVID, container prices shot up to like $20,000 from $1,000. And that's why you're seeing a lot of inflation because, you know, if you're normally shipping a container for $1,000 and all of a sudden you're shipping it for twenty, dollars well, the prices are going to go up. Now, that's not an instant price. So companies look at their budgets quarterly, semi-annually and annually. But when they started to look at their budgets and they were hitting, getting crushed with logistical prices, they started to raise the price of their goods. And we're feeling that now. So when ships come into the ports and you unload them and you cross-dock them and you ship them LTL, there was a lot of LTL freight from China. Okay? And there was a lot of LTL business out there. UPS, FedEx, Yellow, all these companies that were moving this stuff. So what we're doing now is we're no longer getting that much from China. We are pulling back from China, right? Uh, words like decoupling, you might have heard, we're decoupling from China. But we're not really just decoupling from China. We're re 
we're reassuring re our products, okay? And what that means is rather than get them from China, we are moving things down to Mexico, manufacturing down to Mexico. Um, you're going to see a lot more Mexican carriers on the road. Mexico's buying trucks like there's no tomorrow uh, because there's a huge boom in freight coming up from Mexico to the United States. Now, what this means is LTL carriers like Yellow saw this coming. They knew there was going to be less LTL freight because you can't drive from China to the United States, right? You, you Truck won't make it. But you can, because of NAFTA, a, a Mexican carrier can pick up in Mexico, drive to the United States, deliver, grab freight from someplace else, and go right back to Mexico. So that eliminates a lot of LTL freight because rather than unloading it at the ports, they're just going to drive it straight, deliver it, and then go back. So you're see we're seeing a ton of Mexican people buy uh, Mexico right directly from Mexico buying trucks up here in the United States. We're seeing a ton of Mexican carriers coming in delivering freight. Now that eliminates a lot of LTL freight, which eventually Yellow looked at this and said, "Well, we." Before this, they established uh, a Chinese market and uh, places in China to be able to expedite that freight to the United States. Well, looking at Yellow looked at this and said, we're going to lose a ton of freight. Plus, on top of the union not working with us, this is also going to be hurting us. OK, so it, we're going to go ahead and claim bankruptcy. So Mexico now becoming one of our top reshoring areas that freight coming straight from Mexico hurts truck drivers. It hurts because we're going to have less volume on the road, less freight on the road, and things like that. And, of course, Mexican carriers can do it for a lot cheaper. That's what it does logistically. Now, the reason they're doing this also was we are shoring up for possible conflicts with China, possible conflicts that you do not want to... It's very difficult for you to protect boats and container ships and tanker ships coming to the United States to deliver goods. It takes a lot of naval resources to protect those goods coming here to make sure that we get them. So we're pulling back. Again, this is my opinion, but it all points this way. We're pulling back to be able to keep our goods flowing by land, which would be easier to protect the flow of goods from Mexico to the United States and Canada than it would be to protect the flow of goods from another country across the pond, right? That pond protection ties up a lot of naval, ties up a lot of possible issues that way. So one of the things that Biden is still doing, which is, I believe, is an extension of Trump's policies, is establishing the fact that we cannot count on goods crossing the ocean from China, let's say, during a conflict, during a naval conflict. Now, war with China, people are like, well, you know, they don't have the Navy to be able to beat us. They don't have the Navy that's used to the deep oceans, you know, blue water navies. They don't have this means to be able to stop these goods, right? So again, reshoring, uh, reshoring to Mexico, manufacturing tread for 2023, a combination of geopolitical factors in recent years, including trade wars, tariffs, supply chain distributions, 
have caused companies to analyze their supply chains and sourcing strategies and reassess traditional models of thinking for their best practices. As a result, many are abandoning the lowest cost models, meaning I don't, I don't need to get all the cheap freight from China. I need to make sure my freight actually gets here because I could buy it for a dollar, but if I never get it, it's worth zero. Or I can buy it for $2 and at least I'm getting it. Uh, to pursue a best cost model with a focus on resilience and stability in which has caused a growing reshore trend. Again, this is them saying, I got to make sure I get it. I got to make sure I get it on time. And I'd rather pay a little bit more money to make sure that we get it. Now, I hear this all the time about bringing manufacturing back to the United States, right? We should bring all manufacturing back. That's what Trump wanted. That's not what Trump wanted. You do not want to bring all manufacturing back from the United, to the United States. And I'll give you an example. There's a billion people in China, okay? So let's say 200 million of those people are manufacturing goods for the United States. 200 million are manufacturing goods in the, for us to buy in, in the United States. Now, I'm not just talking toasters. I'm talking parts that go into um, air conditioners, parts that go into refrigerators, parts that go into whatever, right? It doesn't just have to be products that are done. I'm talking even the parts of other products that are put together here. You got 2 million people doing that. So the question is, my question to those people that say bring all manufacturing back to the United States is, where do we come up with 2 million people to fill the jobs that we now just took away from China? Because now, not only do we have to have the people to do those jobs, we have to have the people to build the manufacturing plants to make the parts. And then once those manufacturing plants are built, we need to have 2 million people to come in and do those jobs. Now, remember, we only have about 320 million people. 2 million people, where do we come up with those people? Right? Now, I, so the, what... Trump's policies were, were just bring it back or bring it locally, let's say Mexico and things like that. Now you're not having, you know, if they're saying, well, all these people are, are, are crushing, you know, rushing the border and crossing the border to come across here and get jobs because there's no work down there. Well, we can fix that. We're going to bring it from China. We're going to move it to Mexico. Those, those people need to go back and they need to work in their country and then they have jobs, Right. That sounds like common sense to me, but it's not just that. Um, a lot of the other border stuff, I also believe, is a possible conflict that if we do go to conflict, we're going to need more people, not just to fight, but to also work the jobs that we have in the United States that are possibly being filled by a, a draft. And I do believe that there is a draft coming up. I do believe that there is a pot, you know, that's if that conflict works, you're going to be drafted. Um, anybody that gets a, you know, same reason why people say, well, why are we giving them driver's license? Well, one of the things you do when you get a driver's license is you sign up for selective service and selective service is that draft. And it's, that's also an aspect of, well, we'll give them this money. We'll do this. We'll do this. But if drafted and they don't sign up, we, that money gets cut off. Right. So th there is other things for that, but let's go back to this, to the logistics. So we are literally moving to protect ourselves because we are an island and we might not be able to get those, the goods across the ocean. Let me show you why. This is logistics. Um, this here 
is container ships. And this is how many container ships are basically, all these little green dots are container ships in China, United States. They're all delivering goods. They're container or they're bulk. Container would be uh, a 40-foot can that would bring, you know, goods like parts and, and things from China. And a bulk con container basically would be grains and corn and things like that. But this is what makes the world go round. This right here. So it is a lot easier to get goods brought up here and manufactured here and shipped here um, and get, you know, uh, uh, all these people that could be coming up here, we could say, hey, well, there's jobs now in Mexico because we're now reshoring to Mexico. We're putting plants in Mexico. Mexico's a better trading partner with us um, than trying to get these goods across this pond from China, right? This, this, this right here would be very difficult to protect everything that's going this way with the Navy and possibly fight a conflict. Now, the reason I kind of bring this up is a lot of people basically say, well, we, you know, China, we, China, they don't have the Navy. Uh, we have a better Navy than theirs. We would, you know, basically be able to, you know, whoop them. Well, the problem is this. As you can see, a lot of container ships go through the South China Sea. So one of the things that the Navy does now is what we call freedom of navigation. And freedom of navigation, they go out and they basically say, hey, you, you have to allow our ships to go through this area. It's freedom of navigation. You can't restrict the ship going through here. You can't, you know, that's what the Navy's doing. They're making sure that ships are flowing, uh, goods are flowing. They have freedom to, to navigate through specific waters. Um, and the flow of goods continues on a consistent time frame. Right, consistency is huge when it comes to logistics. Um, if something, if I know so I'm going to get something in a week, I can plan for that week. But if all of a sudden something that used to come in a week now takes three months to get here, I'm in trouble uh, because now I've got to possibly shut down my plant. I got, I might have goods like you know food that has to go in cans, and my shipment of cans isn't even here, so I can't can these. I can't can this food. Um, it causes huge disruptions monstrous disruptions uh, in everyday life just by slowing the flow of logistics, okay? So if I were to come in here in the South China Sea, I don't need to come out here. All I need to do is say, this is my area, which they have. They started building islands, um, bringing in sand and bringing uh, building islands in the South China Sea, All that, which is down here, basically. Boop. These islands right here. All they have to do is say, these are our islands, and we're now going to restrict the flow of all these ships by boarding them. We're going to board all these ships. We're going to slow down the flow, um, and we're going to have to search these ships because this is our now our territorial waters. Now, any ship, uh, I'm also ex-Coast Guard, so if a, if a ship enters uh, another country's territorial waters and it's not forced there by a storm, or by what we call force majeure, that boat can be searched. And this slows down the flow of goods. Now, the other flow that is easily slowed down, which we would worry about, are all these red ships. These red ones are tankers, uh, oil, natural gas, things like that. 
And as you can see, you get a ton out of this area, which is, you know, obviously Iran, uh, Pakistan, Saudi Arabia. Come down around Sri Lanka and swing in around Singapore and then head up through the South China Sea and then flow over basically to us. So all one of the ways, you know, the new hybrid uh, unrestricted warfare would work would be just slowing the flow of deliveries, right? Just boarding these ships, not allowing these ships to pass, telling them, hey, drive around, we're busy here, drive around, go that way, um, and making them have to go all the way around and come up rather than the flow that they do now. So this is one tactic that China could use and one of the things that we complain about now in regards to the South China Sea uh, and the fact that they're building islands, they're bringing in sand and basically building islands to basically cover this area right here so that they can claim this as territorial waters. And we, we hear this all the time. Well, you know, we flew a, a, a plane over here. We drove, a, a, we sailed one of our Navy ships through here and they bitch and complain. Right. And, and, and they're like, well, you can't go through here. This is our territorial walls. No, it's not. It's actually it's not. It's freedom of navigation. We're allowed to flow through here. But for years, we've allowed this to happen. So. This has been basically the policies that I believe, like I said, were put in place by Trump and now being extended by the Biden administration. Now, when I say Biden did this, I, I, I'm going to be honest. I don't do I believe Biden does pretty much anything. Where's my ice cream? Uh, no, I don't. I, I believe he's just like sign, sign here, Mr. Biden's whose name? Who am I again? Joe Biden with, with Joe. OK, OK, that's fine. OK, you know, and, and it's so I believe there are people, the administration that are basically putting this, these things in place. And he's just like, you know, where are those stairs? Where's my stairmaster? He's just, you know, Joe's Joe. I, I mean, to me, it's elder abuse at this point. Um, there's no, you're at some point when you're, you know, same thing with Feinstein. At some point, you're just if you're rolling them in and saying, you know, push the button. OK, it's it's not we're beyond our time. You know, it, they're, they got to go. Now, I do believe there should be age limits because we, because we are now fighting a, a war with is with uh, China, a technology advancements in technology and things like that. That if you were, if you were born before the you know the invention of you know simple things like the telephone, um, I don't know if you're right for the job to fight the new technology industrial resolution of technology. Right? At some you know if you have no idea how the internet works, if you have no idea how you know cyber attacks and, and ransomware and all this stuff is. Well, that's the new battles that's the, that we're having. That These politicians are supposed to be defending us from things like that. And I do believe there should be age limits. So even this person, uh, I mean, if you don't know who this person is, isn't that, that, that that's, that's a face only a mother could love. Um, Treasury Secretary or Treasurer Yellen uh, says that the U.S. is over-dependent on China for critical supply chain goods. And this was October 3rd of this year. It's like, are you are you kidding me? Are you how, you you just figured this out? I mean, seriously. So she basically goes in to say 
Uh, U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen said on Tuesday that the United States has become overdependent on China for critical supply chains, particularly clean energy products, and needs to broaden out sources of supply. Uh, Yellen, speaking at a Fortune CEO event in Washington, repeated her longstanding view that the United States does not want to decouple economy from China. So they don't want to say the word decouple, right? Because decouple, China's going to look at that and say, oh, you're, you know, you're no longer buying our goods. This is bad. And that's, you know, that could cause, you know, kinetic conflict, right? And kinetic conflict isn't just launching of, of missiles and rockets. It's going to be cyber attacks. It's going to be slowing down the flow of, 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 you know, logistics. Those are all tactics now that could be used. EMPs, I'm more, so she said that she has been a, uh, not been a strong believer in industrial policy, but the United States has stood by far too long while other countries build up semiconductor industries with mass subsidies. Now, reason that this is so important, I also covered this in regards to um, quantum computing and my um, project outcast uh, MH370 was Semiconductors are the future. They are basically everything that we have has semiconductors. We're, everything that we're going to need is going to have more high-tech semiconductors. They are now finding ways to use less silver in semiconductors and copper because uh, copper is way cheaper to put in these. But semiconductors is a massive, massive problem for us. Uh, both rare earth minerals, which I am uh, a part of the Defense Production Act to Basically, we are building a mine. I'm not doing it, but the government's building a mine in California, uh, Mountain Pass, California, rare earth mineral mine. They're also building in Taylor, Texas. Um, Samsung from Korea is coming in and building semiconductors there. Intel's being put together to build semiconductors. This is another aspect of the Trump policy that started with the trade, right? All this policy extends down the thing that China is not on our side. China is not good. But it didn't really start until Trump. And this is why I say who's really in charge. And I I believe the policies that we're going to are policies that Trump put in place that are now being extended into the Biden administration. And that's these policies are good things. The the, the continuation of the China is not our friend policies are being pushed into semiconductors and um, the CHIPS Act, which eliminated us from doing that. But it's all pushing towards conflict with China. Okay? This is all the way to a Dutch company who has now also cozied up with the U.S. with controls on exporting microchip kits to China. So the United States also went out to the Netherlands, and we're going to talk more about the Netherlands, too, because I think you guys have all heard the Netherlands have backed down on producing food, and they've gone after the farmers and things like that. Well, we're going to talk about that on other shows in regards to who the Netherlands actually gives food to, um, that if you wanted to start to prepare, you would start to whittle that down, because when it comes to conflict, when it comes to war, all that matters is energy. All that matters is energy, food energy and power energy and fuel energy. If your soldiers don't have food and they don't have power and they don't have gas or diesel, you will not win. You will not win. Right. 
uh, one of the main keys for the United States military is we will wait you out. We have more food. We have more energy. We have more fuel. You, we will wait you out if we can. You will come out starving before we have to go in if we have to. And, and that, is, that is one of the things that is a major factor. So now you have the Netherlands who have basically been in negotiations with the United States. So the Netherlands on Friday started enforcing new export controls, uh, restrictions on advanced microchip products, machines to China, siding with Washington in geopolitical tussle over the controls of critical technology. The export controls a part of a three-way deal between the United States, Netherlands, and Japan at the start of the year. Effective advanced microchip printing equipment, uncontrolled exports of the equipment can have risks for the public security. Now, this was a big deal. Like, this, this was something that was not uh, just a friendly decision, right? This decision was, hey, China's buying a lot of this stuff, and the United States does not want them to have this stuff. So when you're focusing billions and billions of dollars into AI, into semiconductors, into making this type of stuff, that your country is the main focal point of producing semiconductors, producing chips, producing this stuff, and you decide as another country to cut them off, that's a problem. And we're starting to see China collapsing financially, their economy's getting hit, um, because we, there are so many barriers that they were focusing a lot on this that now their economy is taking a hit. And eventually that hit is going to cause them to go kinetic. And next thing you know, they're going to be throwing down um, in other ways. And we're kind of seeing that now. Obviously, we have a ton of cyber attacks and things like that that we're noticing with pipelines, with trucking. Um, they're hitting the main focal points of logistics, which is... Um, an infrastructure industry. Logistics is the largest industry in the world. You can't do anything without some type of logistics, right? You can't move anything. You can't make anything. You can't produce anything. You can't sell anything without logistics. Everybody watches logistics. Trucking companies, banks, businesses, stock market, everybody watches logistics and what logistics is doing. Because from there, you can figure out the economy, uh, you can figure out other countries' economies. If they're not producing enough, if they're not shipping out enough, if they're not buying raw materials, you can establish, okay, they're not, you know, they're down buying raw materials, so their economy is going to take a hit because they're not producing enough with those, those raw materials into finished goods. You, you can establish what's going on and everything else. So a lot of this is, is based on that kind of that logistics report. So when you start to cut off China, they're going to get pissed. There's no way they're just going to say, yeah, that's fine. Cut us off. No big deal. You know, that's fine. No, you know, U.S., if you're a U.S. citizen, you can't make uh, semiconductors. That's fine. You can't ship them. You can't sell them. They're not just going to say that's fine. They're going to get pissed. And China does what they call, two colonels wrote a book on it. It's called Unrestricted Warfare. And Unrestricted Warfare is things like lawfare. A uh, perfect example of lawfare was Donald Trump came in and said, Twitter, you're done. I'm sorry, TikTok, you're done. TikTok, you're done. You can't function here, you're done. Well, China came in, hired a law firm, and went and basically took it to a court, and the court said, hey, that's freedom of speech, you can't stop them. And then TikTok was back up and running, right? That's lawfare. They're using our own laws against us. They're buying uh, property and things like that. So 
this is a big aspect of that. Now, uh, I'm going to kind of change the focus here a little bit. And everybody has basically heard, uh, or I mean, not everybody, but targets. Targets are being struck by theft, right? You, we see this all the time. They run in, and, and next thing you know, they're stealing a bunch of stuff in the store. And now Target has decided to close stores, right? Because they're saying that the stores that we're closing, uh, it's just, it's, we're taking a hit in regards to theft and, and we can't afford to stay open with all this theft because eventually that could turn into, okay, what happens if they come through the store and next thing you know, somebody gets hurt and then some Target employee sues Target for putting them in a position to get hurt while they're at work, right? I mean, you have... Lawyers, they, they go to court. They fight things, right? If you're working at Target and Target knows that this, they've been struck before, people have come in, they've smashed things, they've damaged stuff, and you get hurt at Target while working there, you're going to sue. You know, if something happens where now you can't work or, or you know, you're hurt for life, you're, you're going to sue them, right? And this is also an aspect of that that they're basically saying, look, it, it's not just going to be the theft of the goods. Eventually, somebody's going to get hurt and there's going to be, you know, a million dollar, billion dollar lawsuit um, to get out of this. So they've closed a bunch of stores. Now, let's just take a look and see what stores they've decided to go with. And let's see here. All right. New York City market. Hmm. Makes you kind of wonder. New York City market's got a bunch of rampage going on. Uh, Seattle. Seattle's also another one. Uh, let's say Democratic state. Um, San Francisco, Oakland, California made it basically legal up to a certain amount of money that you can go in and steal and you get a trespassing ticket. And Portland. So you're kind of seeing a lot of, besides New York City, you're seeing a lot of that West Coast, Portland, San Francisco, Oakland. Um, those are all the, the areas in which, like I said, goods were coming into China. And I think you're going to have a lot more of that over on the West Coast because as more freight comes from Mexico, as more freight hits the East Coast ports, you're going to have a lot less jobs and manufacturing um, basically to the West Coast. Now, remember, a lot of goods that came in would come in from the West Coast, be put on the rail and sent to the East Coast, right? Well, now they have to be shipped from the East Coast or, from, and, or brought up through Mexico to deliver into California. So California is going to see a lot... I believe, going to see even higher prices for the goods that they have, right? They're going to see higher prices for those goods, um, and it's going to end up costing a lot more to, to, to live in California, and that's already uh, a high price as it is, right? So you're going to start to see that. So, I, all right, last other story I wanted to cover was Estes. Now, Estes Express confirms cyber attack. Now, I kind of wanted to talk about this um, in regards to the cyber attacks that are happening in the trucking industry. And also, you know, we also had one on a pipeline and things like that. So if you want to attack uh, the United States, one of the things obviously is an EMP. Like, I'm not afraid. I know some people say nuclear, uh, nuclear bombs that don't exist. They do. Um, now, are they... And, and the reason a lot of people say that is there's, well, there's a bunch of these videos and we use these videos to kind of, and they're all fake. No, a lot of times we use videos of the devastation of a nuclear bomb to try to propagate and scare other countries before we drop them. Like 
I don't believe we wanted to drop a bomb on Japan, but if we could show them what it could do before, maybe they'd back off. It didn't work, and we did do that. So I do believe nuclear weapons exist, right? But I'm not as afraid, as afraid of a nuclear weapon being dropped here as much as some type of EMP or cyber attack that shuts down logistics. You shut down logistics, that means grandma's not getting her medicine. Uh, people, you're not, might not be, your food might not be being replenished at the store that you shop at. Um, a lot of your job might not, you might not be able to work because the goods that's supposed to be coming in for you to make the widget is not coming in. So you're basically sitting there with twiddling your thumb saying, when am I going to work again? I believe a lot of the cyber attacks that are happening are um, aspects of, of other countries, let's say China and things like that, hacking our systems to basically slow us down. Now, LTL freight is probably open more to cyber attacks because of the way LTL freight is handled. And the LTL means less than, you know, less than load, less than a full load. It's not a full truckload. It's LTL. It's a pallet. Um, if you bought a weight bench or you bought some type of something big that UPS, it was over 80 pounds and UPS couldn't deliver it, it would come in on an LTL truck. Um, something that too heavy for them to handle. LTL freight is not handled like your standard quoting of freight. If somebody were to call me for a quote, they would email me, I would do the quote, I would send it back, right? There's no third-party system for quoting my freight. There's no third-party system for quoting C.H. Robinson's freight uh, or other freight brokers' freight. Well, LTL, there is. Um, and examples of this is, let's say you go to buy something online and they, you say, put in your zip code, and you put in your zip code, and then it says, okay, if you want it by UPS, it's this much. If you want it by United States Post Office Priority, it's this much. If you want it by FedEx, it's this much. If you want it by two-day, it's this much. If you want it by this, that's a, a third-party access into the LTL freight, right? So a lot of freight brokers, well, I don't deal as much with them, but I spoke with somebody who did. A lot of them have third-party access into the LTL systems. So we would put in something that say, hey, I got a pickup in Cleveland, Ohio, going to Syracuse, New York. And that basically, then it would say, okay, what size pallet? How much does it weigh? How tall is it? How wide? What's the dimensions? Blah, blah. And you would give all that information. And then he would get back, well, this, let's just say, I'm going to use a bunch of names. Uh, SDs would charge this much. FedEx is this much. Yellow was this much. UPS is this much. And it would tell you how much each one of those companies would charge pertinent to the information you put in there. Well, because you have third-party access to that, it's easier to hack systems like that because they're not internal, right? Mine's internal. You email me, I do it, I send it back, right? You call C.H. Robinson, they do it, they send it back. But these third parties allow this access to that. The reason this is a problem is we are now moving into a digital age of trucking. We are moving in, you know, trucking is a dynamic, it's not static. It does not stay the same. It's constantly changing. We are moving more and more into AI. We are moving more into logistically tracking our goods and putting those on access for anybody. As we do this, we open ourselves up for logistical issues, logistical problems of delivery of goods. Now, it's easier if you're getting stuff just from Mexico compared to trying to track something from China and a boat and cross-dock it and move it from here to here to here. But that's basically 
the difficult thing to do. So this leaves this type of freight open to a lot of different third-party hack, ransomware type things. Now, going forward, if we do move into possible you know, conflict more with China and China, you're going to see a lot more of these. So my solution for that is make sure you have on hand goods. And I know everybody else is saying this, but people say this all the time. It's like, well, you know, if truck drivers go on strike, the whole country would stop. Well, first of all, they're not going to let you strike. You're not going to shut down the infrastructure of the country. Uh, you fall under the Defense Production Act, meaning they can force you to drive. They can force you to keep goods moving. We can't allow grandma not to get her medicine. Uh, we have to, she has to get her medicine. People have to get their goods. People have to get those supplies. But if it's not done by you know, that and it's done by another country and ransomware, it, it, it is a very dangerous. That would be more dangerous than a nuke. Because understand, it's a internet-type-based system. And all trucking could fall under this type of stuff where if all of my systems went down and I couldn't, you know, people, truck drivers would be calling me, my phone would be bringing off the hook. If, if the load boards that the truckers find freight on were hacked, that they couldn't post freight, truck drivers, they would, they would be going nuts. They, they'd be calling brokers. They'd be trying to find freight. They'd be trying to moving. Um, and we wouldn't be able to make those moves. There is more danger in a logistical, on a large-scale logistical hack than, in my opinion, than even a nuclear, a nuclear bomb. A nuclear bomb is going to affect that area. One logistical hack into logistics affects everything. It affects everything. 22,000 right here employees at Estes are having an issue. Um, 22,000 employees. We are immediately grateful and for the dedication and responsiveness of more than our 22,000 employees. And, but basically what they're doing is they're calling their customers. Now, right now, if you try to go in and pull up Estes under those third-party apps, you can't. Or at least as this show's going on, you can't. Um, because they're no longer in that system. Everybody else will show up. Let's just say FedEx, UPS, um, let's say Yellow, but they're bankrupt. I'm just using other trucking names. They would show up, but Estes would not because they're not a lot, they don't have access to that to be able to put freight on there. So they're probably doing a lot of this stuff by phone calls. They're going, they're just showing up at some customers that regularly ship every day and saying, hey, do you have anything that's got to go? Um, and things like that. But on a large scale, there would be a monstrous chaos. And this is also why we're doing a lot more warehousing in the United States. We are getting away from what we call just-in-time freight, and we're moving into a hybrid where we, we move things to warehouses, and we hope the warehouses are full. And then if things have to go, we have a better opportunity to get them and keep that consistent flow of logistics uh, because it's that bullwhip effect that is very dangerous when there's nothing and something and nothing and something and nothing and something. Um, and that's a very dangerous because at that point it causes panic buying and other things like that, which is hard for the analytics to keep up with um, because they're not ready for that. So that's basically what I wanted to cover today. As like I said, this is just kind of first show, just going over basically the days I'm going to be going on. That'd be Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. This is the logistical aspect of the show um, and news and information and research and stuff like that. Um, I'm also going to have a co-host to come on where we, we're going to talk about different topics, either things that pop up in the news or you know just aspects of 
what's going on in society. We have a definite divide between right and left. Um, and I am, I am kind of neither. I'm obviously, I lean more, uh, more right, but I am open to hear uh, the information and I'm open to basically hear, like I want to know why the left believes what they want and then figure out where did that come from? I want to know these, even the, the far right, what, you know, where did this come from and put it together and out there? I want to basically bring it to a middle area that everybody can say, okay, I see where they're both coming from. I understand, but I believe this. And it's that critical thinking and being able to process the information that says, okay, I see it now. I understand it. I don't agree with it. And I, but at least I understand where you got that and things like that. Uh, but that basically being said, this is basically the show. Uh, this is what we're going to talk about and we'll see where it goes. Like I said, I got a lot of stuff I can cover um, and different aspects and people I can bring on. And I'm interested in that. But I do believe, like I said, when it comes to people are like, well, Trump's in charge. I do believe his policies are definitely continuing, even that he's not in office. Um, do I believe he's in control of it? I don't. Uh, but I do believe that the policies in place have been continued on the path of, okay, we have a problem with China. We've got to fix this. And, and that's the way the system should work. The system should not create policies, put them in play just to get rid of them in four years. That's just ridiculousness. I mean, unless something as drastically has changed, we need to put policies in play that are good for the country, no matter if it's Republican or Democrat or independent is in charge. So the policies that were in play need to be good for the country, you know, and, and what they're doing and logical and, and put in play for a specific reason. Uh, that being said, let me pull over here because, of course, I have a comment from Jeffrey Allen Bowman, uh, top punk hunk reporting for duty. When are you going to fix up the lawnmower? Well, we're not. We're on, you're on the wrong show. Right. So right now I'm looking to fix up your brain um, and, and people's brain and, and process stuff like that. Oh, one other thing I did want to bring is this is what we call uh, tender rejections. So with tender rejections... This basically tells us for every 100 loads that are being moved, uh, there's a certain rejection on specific loads, right? And you can see right here this blue line, which is right over here. This blue line here is today, basically, right? It's today. Uh, these are the past years. Let's see what's color. Uh, 2022, 2021 is green. 2020 is blue. What's orange? Orange is 2022, right? This is last year. Well, we've dipped way down here. So that means we have a lot less freight moving. A lot less freight moving means a lot less trucks are moving things, people are buying things, and so on and so on. We're not getting stuff from China, and that's a good effect of that is obviously inflation and things like that. But we're going to hold that to another show, but I will be showing this, and this is from uh, FreightWave Sonar. Um, I will be showing stuff like this so you guys can understand. If you can understand logistics, if you can see how logistics are, are, works, you can kind of predict the future. Right. You can predict, OK, if there's not a lot of freight coming in from China and there's not a lot of freight is down in Mexico, that means that people are spending less. And, and understanding logistics is why it allows you to predict what's going to happen tomorrow. Right. OK, trucking is going to be slow or, or things are going to be this. If there's a lot of stuff moving, if there's a high volume of freight moving, well, basically what happens is you're going to see a lot more um, 
things are going to cost more because it's supply and demand, right? Supply and demand basically allows things to cost more. So if you're out there and there's a ton of volume, well, next month, the price of something that you were looking to buy is, is probably going to be higher because there's more things being bought and there's more things moving. So that's kind of where logistics also helps you to see stuff. But a lot of other stuff I'm going to cover is bricks um, and how bricks is working and gold and um, that type of system, uh, the dollar, understanding the dollar and, and how that works and stuff like that. Topics like that. I want to just go on to a lot of topics like that. So I'm going to go ahead and end this one here. It's going to probably be somewhere around um, 11, 15 to 1230 area, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So it's kind of set your thing for Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, 11-ish area and going to 1230. And that'll probably be the normal show. So, But this one's going to be a little bit earlier because, like I said, it was just kind of the beginning show. I wanted to kind of give you the format um, and do stuff like that. So that being said, I'm going to go ahead and end this one here. I do appreciate if you guys would hit the like button. Um, and like I said, share this one out, just starting to get this one rolling, coming over from YouTube and now going, doing a show on rumble. Um, or if there's topics you want to talk about, leave them in the comments, but please hit the like button, please share it out, please hit the comments. And I do appreciate everybody that's come, that's come in cam. Um, and even Mr. Bowman, that being said, I'm going to go ahead and cut out of here. Sage out.